Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes at ceiling decibels. I'm your host, Maxwell Lewis Sanders, and this is episode 64. For those new listeners out there, Max Volume is a podcast that worships at the altar of pop culture, a place where the silly and inane are of the utmost importance. It's a pod where we discuss heavy topics like Rami Malek's jawline, James Gray's ability to create Terrence Malek movies without all the arrogance, and Matt Damon's Hall of Fame cameo career. No quote too minor, no side plot too small. There's a pod for the TV geeks and movie freaks. So welcome all weary travelers. Your boredom ends here. Before we delve into the topic at hand, let's start with five minutes of Seinfeld-level daily observations. So there's weird stuff happening in my neighborhood. There's this annoying older guy who lives in my neighborhood. And so, I mean, for example, the first time I met him, he saw my dogs at these two big Newfoundlands. And he immediately announces that he does huge 4th of July fireworks. And it's like January. And he's not going to stop it for anyone. So I better be prepared for, you know, the dogs to freak out. Like, what a jerk. Like, why tell me that? I mean, I wouldn't even know if it was you lighting fireworks later. Why do you have to tell me I'm doing something that's going to upset the things that you love and there's nothing you can do about it? Like, what? Now I wanted to call the cops, but I didn't because, you know, not a snitch. But anyways, he takes care of his elderly mother. And a few days ago, an ambulance came screaming uh, down the street to their door. And no clue what happened. But two days later, the dude normally drives this old beat-up Lincoln. And two days later, there's a brand new sparkling white Tesla in the driveway. Got me thinking, is there something fishy happening on my block? And this is absolutely my version of rear window. Uh, I've been cooped up too long in my house. And, you know, I have my binoculars and I have a broken leg like Jimmy Stewart. And I'm just making wild accusations. But it was fun to think about for a day or two. Like there's a murder mystery in my neighborhood. It's just a knives out kind of situation. But in lighter news, uh, I snagged the domain name for my 80s podcast with my friend MG. And I love this name. We're called the 80s team. You know, play on the A, the a team and all that. And it only cost, do you guess how much it would cost? It cost a hundred, no, no, I'm just joking. It cost $1.17 on GoDaddy to lock it in for the year. But that's not the amusing part, even though that's awesome. You know, the frugality of me is like, yes. But once I bought the domain name, I felt fully compelled to Venmo request uh, MG for the 58 cents that he owed me for the purchase. So we'd have it even split. And I did it 30% for general amusement. I'm like, oh, this will be good on the pod. I can talk about this. And 70% because I'm insane. And my brain instantly thought, what if this is just the beginning of his freeloading on me? Like soon I'm buying thousands of dollars of equipment and there's no reimbursement plan, and I'm buying ad space that could be charged on my credit card weekly. Like, you never know. This could start, you know, a little, a little flake of snow that turns into a, turns into a what's it called? Snowball. <laughs> Why couldn't I think of the word snowball? So, I mean, to alleviate the issue and put my foot in the sand from the start, I demanded two quarters and a nickel and three pennies electronically from my podcast partner. It felt right. You know, I don't know why, but it just felt good. I felt half proud and half laughably ashamed, which might be the title of my, uh, my, 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 my biography of one day. Half proud, half laughably ashamed. <laughs> it works. I like it. And, but, you know, I'm frugal and it feels on brand uh, with my general thoughts on life. So I liked it. I was a fan of it. And I'm, I'm not ashamed. I mean, I am ashamed, but I'm happy that I'm ashamed. And I'm glad to be sharing it with you, all of you five people out there listening. And speaking of being on brand, I wanted something light today, fluffy, nonsense, you know, like a light pasta dish. I don't want like a stew or a steak. I want something, a mousse bouche, something that, you know, plays on the taste buds. So no big picture thoughts, no life lessons. Although I don't think, 
Have I had a podcast where I've gotten really deep on anything? I don't think so. I mean, I am just skimming the surface of life. That's what I want to do. I'm a water skimmer, that one bug that, you know, can like float on water like Jesus. And so today I want to talk about the top five most evil examples of facial hair in movies. That's right. This is like the most, this topic feels right. This feels like something that will be on my tombstone. It's like he created this. And I like to think of myself as somewhat of a facial hair enthusiast. I've done the rounds. I've gotten the classic goatee. I've had a soul patch. I've had the full-on homeless scraggly beard where, you know, I kind of looked like that devil emoji with the kind of wild, terrible hair. I've had the five o'clock shadow, Miami Vice, you know, just got out of bed, cool guy look. I had the immature and mor moronic looking tight chin strap where, you know, it's kind of that like half an inch kind of around the uh, parameter of the chin. And so I've been around the facial hair block. And tragically, I can't grow a mustache. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> so I'm extra attentive to when people have excellent stashes too. Man, I would give anything to have a good mustache. My dad's got a great mustache and uh, I, I want it. When I see people with mustache, I don't know, just something just masculine and, you know, something just expressive and silly about it. I just want it. So I wanted to focus on the villainy of face-based whiskers because the right type of hair can really add to the menace of a character. Just a nice cherry on top of that debauchery sundae of a classic bad guy. So let's dive in. Mustache first. Mm, I've never said that before. I like that. Mustache first. Maybe be a tagline. I mean, people wouldn't know why, but it's, I mean, if you know, I mean, if, if I'm getting popular to the point where people know all my old podcasts, maybe they'll look back and be like, oh, that's where it started. So this is the first ever five, top five ranking of evil facial hair. And side note, is there another term for facial hair? I can't seem to find one. It's driving me nuts. And I have to use the same term over and over again. I like using lots of different adjectives and descriptors, but it's just facial hair. And because if you're describing beard, that just means the beard. You describe mustache, that's just the mustache. Is there another term for facial hair? Like, let me know. So first of all, honorable mention shout outs. These are the ones that couldn't make the cut. Huh? Couldn't make the cut, right? Because they didn't cut their face. Oh, okay, this is bad. <laughs> okay, the ones that uh, didn't make the top five. I got Ed Rooney, Ferris Bueller, great kind of jerky, schlocky, principal mustache. And it's red. That's unique. You know, that makes it very unique. Mugatu and Zoolander with the blonde little goatee. Just the actual, not the full goatee, just the little uh, chin part of it. You know, that looked great. Alonzo Harris, Training Day, the evil cop uh, goatee. Just looks great on Denzel. Uh, Jim Carrey in Sonic the Hedgehog as kind of the 1920s throwing a damsel in distress on a train while you're, you know, waxing your mustache kind of thing. But now we got the winners. First, I got Nathan Bateman from Ex Machina. This is a creepy indie sci-fi film about artificial intelligence. It's on Netflix. It's really good. It's created by, oh my God, what's his name? He just did Devs. He wrote The Beach. He wrote it. He did Annihilation. Oh my God, this is going to bother me. Uh, Alex Garland, thank God. And this movie's creepy. Don't watch it like late at night. You'll kind of like look at your toaster and be like, are you going to kill me? <laughs> so don't do that. Watch it during the day. Watch it while it's bright out. It's Oscar Isaac as Nathan Bateman. And he's this evil nihilist kind of version of Mark Zuckerberg. He like owns half of Oregon. He lives in a compound creating robots in secret. And even with all that money and access to top level stylists, he chooses to go shaved head and a robust kind of halfway homeless beard, full beard and stash. And Oscar Isaac, if you've ever seen him before, stunningly handsome dude. So to cover all up, up all that man candy with this burly brunette forest, it's clearly a choice. 
about how you're supposed to view this dude. He clearly doesn't care what other people think. He's beyond personal thoughts. He's evolved past thinking about his outer appearance. You know, like he's kind of uh, evolved, basically. Oh, I, I said evolved two times. It's a fun word to say, though. And he's solely focused on creating robots in this sprawling estate. So I love it. Fits perfectly. And I tried this look once, and I mostly got photo comments that I look like a disheveled demon. So it's not for everyone. Not everyone can pull it off. You have to be Oscar Isaac handsome and also confident. And I think he does like Krav Maga in, this sh- in the movie, too. I mean, he's just a cool, evil guy. So it's a look. So number four, I got White Goodman from Dodgeball. Perfect hair for the perfect idiot owner of a rival gym in Dodgeball. Uh, my man is rocking a version of the Zappa mustache. It's popularized by rock legend Frank Zappa, where you have kind of 75% of the horseshoe mustache that thickly handlebars down to your chin. Think Hulk Hogan's blonde mustache for the 100% horseshoe as kind of a frame of reference. But what makes the Zappa unique is the choice to keep the soul patch just below the lower lip to center the look, like a nice little well-manicured soul patch. It's corny. It's comic. It's way over the top, and it's perfect for Ben Stiller's former fat kid who wants to show everyone he's fit and cool in his adulthood. Not to mention he's wearing purple spandex jumpsuits. He's driving like a bright white Vespa. He got this feathered kind of 70s hair to go along with it. Like he looks like he'd be hanging out with Farrah Fawcett. And he seems like the aerobic instructor from hell. He's equal parts chilling and hilarious as the thick stash furrows when he's upset. And he's especially really funny when he's fat and shirtless at the end of the movie. He's just sadly eating a turkey leg, singing Milkshake. <laughs> so it just feels like a guy who, I mean, like, the mustache adds to the ambiance of this guy who would make remarks like, no one makes me bleed my own blood. You know, he's got that kind of uh, monotone voice, too. I think that's a pretty good impression, actually. I don't do many good impressions. I do the Dark Overlord from Howard the Duck pretty well, and that's about it. So, love it. Ben Stiller, thank you. Great, unique mustache. Number three, I got Jafar in Aladdin. Obvious choice. This is one of those beards that only elegant, thin, tall men can pull off. That kind of pencil-thin mustache that evenly stripes down from his nose. Like, perfectly parallel, uh, yellow road lines kind of vibe. And they kind of effortlessly culminate in this curvaceous, windy, well-kept beard that accentuates his ridiculously structured tin. I mean, chin. I mean, you could cut diamonds on this guy's chin. It's just crazy. And the choice of the beard is just perfect because he has such a tight, muscular featured face that the anger emits at much more intensity when uh, you have the complement of facial hair. Plus the snake snaff he carries, snake snaff, that's a hard word to say, snake staff he carries, has that kind of sinewy, villainous tie-in. And the use of black and red for his color, color scheme and his beard is, you know, jet black, just so devious all around. And... He's, it's great that he has this ballerina grace with evil DNA. He's definitely the best villain all, all, in all, all of Disney. I'll argue that all day. I mean, who's even second? I think Hades, maybe, from Hercules? No, wait, no. Scar. Scar is a, second, is a solid second pick. But he's not magical like Jafar. Jafar kind of manipulates his way into power. He's got the hypnotism vibe. Jafar by a mile. Love Jafar. I even like Aladdin, too, a lot, even though that's not really a well-known movie. Number two, I got Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Possibly the greatest villain of all time. Poised, composed, wearing $3,000 suits. A sense of humor, kind of as lethal as his markmanship and heist preparation. And I think his beard inspired generations of facial hair villains to come. Because this beard is a combo of all the beards. I thought just 
looking back on it, I was like, oh, he's just got a classic goatee. You know, it's, it's, it's just a normal beard. No, he has it all. He's got a tightly manicured thin chin strap on his outer jawline. And he's kind of the, the lined up middle thickness, full goatee in the middle, seemingly like seamlessly attached to the chin strap. And he even pulls off the rarely, rarely used well-trimmed soul patch below the lower lip. It's just very impressive. It's just like five beard styles in one. And Alan Rick, had it being on Alan Rickman kind of amplifies his arrogance and disdain for all those around him to historic levels. He kind of feels like he's shunning you, like the father who's saying, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. It's like, oh no, I disappointed my dad. And there's something kind of highbrow and intelligent about it with just a dash of playfulness. It's a jack-of-all-trades beard. You know, it's just got everything. It's got a little bit of everything. And if it's a man who can switch accents at the drop of a hat and go from an alpha terrorist mastermind to pretending to be a scared hostage, just it fits him perfectly. So hats off who to, whoever decided to do this look. I wonder, I'm kind of curious what like the back room mullings of facial hair are. Is there like 10 writers in a room discussing this? Is it hair and makeup? Like who's making these final decisions? Or is it just Alan Rickman? He's like, this is what I'm going to wear. and No one's going to stop me. Because Hans is 100% pitch perfect. And just the beard and mustache is just perfect. And now the winner, the final, this is uh, the big number one on the first ever Villainous Facial Hall of Fame. And I'm 98% confident that no one is going to know the character I'm about to discuss, but I had to bring this guy up simply for the superiority of this man's facial hair growing glands. It's just, this isn't a beard. It's a character in the film. It was 82% of why I watched this garbage movie and I'm going John Link in Bloodfather. Guarantee you haven't seen it. Uh, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's a streaming movie on Netflix. And it's 2016. It's early 60s Mel Gibson as a struggling ex-convict tattoo artist who's killing people who are looking for his daughter. And I've never seen anything remotely like his beard. It looks like what Satan would have on his face if he took human form. It's about an inch thick all around perfectly even in every single spot. And his oddly hypnotic beard growth where it goes high on the cheekbones. My friend John Smith has it too. You know what I mean? Like it's almost, it's almost level with the nose. So it looks kind of like he's half Wolfman. And not to mention the beard is perfectly salt and pepper. Like imagine Tom Cruise's hair in collateral, but in beard form. And it matches his hair perfectly. It ties up great. Except when it gets to the chin, where the chin itself turns perfectly white kind of all at once. I mean, it kind of like layers into the whiteness. It like slowly fades in, like almost almost like it was painted that way, you know, to like slowly melt into the white. And it plums into this thicker cylindrical kind of tuff of manliness below his mouth that almost seems angular. I mean, almost, I mean, it's almost like he put a little bit of beard wax on the bottom, but he didn't. And it's stunning, especially you got Mel Gibson's crystal blue eyes and sun-ravaged tan skin. He is very tan and kind of beaten up in this movie. And you can't look away. Literally, why I picked this movie is because I kept watching this movie despite a terrible plot. And it was because of the beard. I just couldn't stop looking at the beard. And 70% through the, through the movie, he shaves the beard, like fully off. I almost turned off the movie because I had lost all interest. But I forced myself to finish because that's what movie nerds do. I've never walked out of a film or never not finished a TV show. I get, you got to have discipline in this game. And I just, I can't go, I'm kind of OCD about that. I like, I need to know the ending, no matter how terrible it is. And anyways, I think the added bonus of Mel Gibson being a garbage human being adds to the evilness of the film. 
Plus, in his character, John Link is a former mercenary for white supremacist groups, and he abandoned his daughter when he was young, so the beard fits. So trust me, look this thing up on Google. You can look up Mel Gibson, Bloodfather, you take a look, or John Link, uh, Bloodfather. What a terrible name for a movie, too, Bloodfather. And it doesn't get explained either. At the, I don't even know why it's called Bloodfather. Because he's like, he sheds blood and he's a father. <laughs> it's a very simple title. And I double-checked, and this blew my mind, this isn't makeup work on the beard. It's Mel Gibson's real facial hair. Unbelievable. Like he's, I've seen him on Hollywood like red carpets, and this is just what he looks like. So I don't think there's even a style or type for this kind of growth because it's so unique to him. It's just the perfect beard. If you looked up perfect beard in the dictionary, it's like Mel Gibson in Blood, Bloodfather. Terrible movie. Great beard. That's what the tagline of the movie should have been. Terrible movie. Great beard. <laughs> and in another life, if I could pick what style of beard and stash I could have, it would 1,000 times out of 1,000 be John Link in Bloodfather. So there you have it, folks, the definitive ranking of evil beards and mustaches in film history, because it needed to be done. I mean, not, not really, but I, I felt compelled for it to be done. And it amuses me greatly that this file will exist 50 years from now. You know what I mean? Someone will look up and be like, oh, here's a take on 2020's most evil beards in film. Let's check it out. So on that note, later.